morning, church. Merry Christmas. My name is Brian. I'm an elder here at North Bullet. First off, I have to apologize. My voice is about half right now. Uh, if you were here last night, Nate was complaining about walking to the trash in the cold weather. But I actually had to work in the cold weather all week. So my voice is kind of not great. But we're going to fight through it. I'm going to do the best I can, give you the best that I got. Uh, we're going to glorify Jesus in our preaching this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come here today on Christmas, we come to your house this morning to worship you, to praise your great name. We ask that you will open our hearts for the gospel, our ears to hear the gospel. We just ask that you glorify us in this time. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Today we will be reading from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. I can get there. Here we go. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when a sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So in our last two weeks of our sermon series, Jesus Through the Eyes, we've looked at Mary and Joseph, two very well-known characters that we all know about. But for the next two weeks in our sermon series, I'm going to be talking to you about Elizabeth and Zechariah. But today we are going to focus on Jesus Through the Eyes of Elizabeth. Today we're going to talk about a woman that many of you may not know anything about her, who Elizabeth is. She is not well known as Mary. She's not. We don't look at Elizabeth the same as we do Mary. Elizabeth is only talked about here in Luke 1, 5-26 and 39-41. She's not talked about anywhere else in the Bible. But we're going to talk about a woman who glowed with godliness. A woman who is a great example of a God-centered woman. A woman who honored God. A woman who was fully committed to her God. We see Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, were considered to be righteous, obedient, and devout. Luke 1.6 tells us, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. We see Elizabeth obeyed the law. Well, now, she didn't obey the law and what we think about it in, the, in the, the legalistic way where you have to do this, you have to do that. That's not what Elizabeth did. Elizabeth obeyed the law because her heart was in it. She wanted to serve the Lord. Elizabeth was a strong woman of faith. Elizabeth was a woman filled with with the Holy Spirit. 
and Elizabeth was a humble woman. Those are the three points I wanted to get across to you today, that Elizabeth was a woman of strong faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, and was a humble woman. So in order for us to, to go forward, we have to set things up a bit before we put our glasses on to see Jesus through the eyes of Elizabeth. We have to set things up about Elizabeth. First thing we have to see with Elizabeth was that she was barren. What that means is that she could not have children. Luke one seven says, They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So for all you uh, ladies and gentlemen out there that who are advanced in years, I wanted to read that scripture so I didn't say the word old. Uh, Elizabeth was advanced in years, so she was not able to have kids. But frankly, she was too old to have kids. Elizabeth, no way, shape or form, was Elizabeth ever thought that she was going to have kids, especially in her age now. Uh, many believe she was in her 60s, 70s, or 80s. There was no way that she thought that she was ever going to have kids. It didn't cross her mind at all. So Gabriel visits her husband, Zechariah, and says, You are going to have a child. Let's look at Luke 1, 11-17. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar, of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So Elizabeth gets pregnant, miracle in itself, with John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. And for five months, she hid. Why would Elizabeth hide? She's pregnant with John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. She hid because no one would believe her if she told her she was pregnant. She was barren. She was in her 80s, 70s, whatever it is. She was old. She wasn't able to have kids. In that culture, a woman, the, the ideal of a woman back then was a lady who could have kids and have a family. That's what made you a woman. And if you couldn't do that, you were looked down upon. So Elizabeth was looked down upon already that she couldn't have kids. And now she's pregnant. No one would believe her if they told her she was pregnant. So she hid for five months. So the six months is here. She's big. She's probably big already. So there's nothing she's going to hide. She can come out. No one's going to say you're not pregnant. Let's be honest, all you ladies out there and husbands of ladies who have been pregnant, at six months, 
you were pretty miserable at six months. It's not a fun time to be pregnant. You're hurting. Uh, remember, she's old, 60s, 70s, or 80s. Imagine being pregnant in your 80s. There you go. You don't want to imagine that. Also, and we'll get to this next week, she can't communicate with her husband at all. No communication at all. So things are difficult. But guess what? She never doubted God. Her husband did, but she didn't. She never thought that she would get pregnant. But God made her pregnant. God blessed her with the opportunity to be pregnant. She was pregnant with the forerunner of Christ, who was going to pave the way for Jesus. And in this baby, this future man, uh, besides Jesus, he was the greatest man ever to live in John the Baptist. Her baby would be John the Baptist. Her baby would be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. He would turn the hearts of people toward God, turn the hearts back to God. This was a big deal. The baby inside Elizabeth was a big deal. She is giving birth to the man, John the Baptist. The dude that wore camel clothes, ate locusts and honey. She gave birth to this man. So she is six months pregnant. So Mary gets visited by Gabriel and learns she is going to give birth to the Messiah. Many believe that right after Mary heard this, that she left and went to visit Elizabeth. Maybe a day or two later, but she went and visited Elizabeth. Who else could know what Mary was going through? Who else could know the fact that the news that they got would know better than Elizabeth what Mary was going through? We see two different aspects of the spectrum. We have an older lady who is pregnant that shouldn't be pregnant. And a younger lady that isn't married yet, and she's pregnant. They know what each other's going through. Who better than each other to talk to? Elizabeth was going to be an encouragement to Mary. We're going to see that going forward. So Mary gets there, and she enters the house of Zachariah and Elizabeth, they greeted one another, and it's not like our greetings together. Hey, how are you? You know how we greet each other. Oh, how are you doing? The, the phony greetings together. In this culture, you literally greeted each other, truly greeted one another. And in verse 41, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting, the baby leaped, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's our first point. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. First off, let's not pass up the fact that baby, little baby John the Baptist, the little baby forerunner, when he heard the mother of our Lord Jesus' voice, he leaped in the womb. Just hearing of her voice 
he leaped in the womb. Now, when I talk about leaped, we're not talking about just a normal kick. It's literally translated to the word skipped. So he's skipping in the womb when he hears the voice of our Lord. How awesome is that, that he literally skipped in his mother's womb just hearing the voice of Mary. And some scholars and many scholars would say and believe that both Elizabeth and John were simultaneously both received the Holy Spirit at the same time. So the same time that they heard the voice, the Holy Spirit filled them, and John leaped and skipped in the womb. Remember, Luke one fifteen tells us that he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth being filled with the Spirit, she exclaimed loudly. On her own accord, she wouldn't do that. But with the Holy Spirit, she exclaimed loudly. Me standing up here speaking loudly isn't me. The Holy Spirit fills us and gives us the ability to do those things loudly and proudly and boldly. She exclaimed loudly with a loud voice and in a song. The Holy Spirit opens our hearts and opens our minds and gives her and us the ability to get to speak the things that we would never speak. Again, I would never be up here if the Holy Spirit didn't guide me in what to say. He's doing that with Elizabeth here. The Holy Spirit gave a high thought of who God was to Elizabeth. He showed her how how great of a God he, he was. It gave her a joy and a passion for God. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Gives us that passion and joy for God. The Holy Spirit gave her the ability to have faith. That's where our faith comes from. It's through the Holy Spirit. We see in verse 42, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. The Holy Spirit made her see and believe. When the Holy Spirit enters us and enters Elizabeth, it gives her, the implies the word into her heart and gives us the ability to start to believe what the Bible says. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is powerful. It changes everything. It changes how you look at the Bible. Because anyone can read the Word of God. There's people out there who aren't Christian who read the Bible. If they don't have the Holy Spirit, they're not going to get it. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to understand what is going on. The Holy Spirit gave Elizabeth power to understand who God is. And things that we're going to see forward gave her the power to understand the things that were happening. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. In of ourselves, we can do nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. But with the Holy Spirit, 
everything is possible. I'm not going to say, oh, I want a car and that's going to happen. But through the Holy Spirit, with the will of God, anything can happen. When Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, it changed everything about her. She was a faithful person before, but now with the Holy Spirit, it's completely different. Something that a lot of us miss, and I missed this before through this studying this, but in this section, we have seen Elizabeth, that she's full of faith. She has faith in God. She has the feeling of the Holy Spirit, but we also see that she confesses her faith. Look at verse 43. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Look at the mother of my Lord. She's the first one to do this. The first confession of faith, it is my Lord. You couldn't look at Mary and know that she was pregnant. And some would even say that Mary didn't even know she was pregnant yet. But how did Elizabeth know that you were the mother of my Lord? How did she know? The Holy Spirit told her. God, through the Holy Spirit, revealed it to her. Elizabeth confesses that the baby in Mary's womb is her Lord. My Lord. That's what she's saying. My Lord. We have the word curios there, which equals the master, Yahweh, Jehovah. Elizabeth is head of the game. She is calling him her Lord, her God, her King. She is ahead of the game. She is going to obey him as her God. We see with the word faith, we don't have to see it to believe it. How many of you know someone that says, well, I don't believe in God because I can't see him? Our faith in God is we don't have to see it to believe it. We trust in what we do not see. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's what faith is. Elizabeth, by the Holy Spirit, knew that this was the Lord, that this was the Son of God. It was through the Holy Spirit that she knew this. She knew that he was God. She knew that that baby was God. So she was what we call a theologian back then. She knew that this was God in the flesh, that this baby that was going to be born was God in the flesh. She knew that this baby was the Messiah. She knew that this baby was was what the people were waiting for thousands and thousands of years. This is the Messiah that they were all waiting for. She knew that this was it. She knew that this baby was going to be her Lord and Savior. What faith that Elizabeth has. No matter what the situation was in, that Elizabeth was barren, she was old, no matter what it was, she still had faith. Even though people looked down on her for not having kids, 
She still had faith. Even when barren, her faith was solid. Even when her husband doubted and she couldn't communicate with him, she had faith. Man, I wish I had an ounce of her faith. I will be honest, this last bit of time has definitely tested my faith, specifically this last week. Uh, today marks, this is tough, today marks the one-year anniversary that I got COVID last year. And I had COVID real bad. Um, I was out for a month. Um, there was times in those two weeks that I had the COVID first. Uh, that were scary, and I didn't know how things were going to go. And then I got pneumonia, which made things worse. Um, And I still have effects, and I can't breathe half the time. Um, But this week has brought doubts in my mind. As as this day has approached uh, closer and closer, I wasn't feeling the best, so it scared me that I was going to get it again, and I was going to be sick again. I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought I was going to go back to that time. But like Elizabeth, we had to have faith that God knows what he's doing. We have faith in a God who doesn't let us down. Even when Elizabeth was barren, she still had faith that God was in control. And if I get sick again, I get sick again. I can't control that. It scared me, literally, Heidi knows I've been kind of a pain this week. Uh, it, it scared me to death because I didn't want that to happen again. But it comes down to knowing God knows what he's doing. Having faith and things that we don't see, we don't see his plan Elizabeth didn't see the plan, but she still had faith. Elizabeth had assurance in her God. We have assurance in our God. 2 Peter 1, 19-21 says, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that he, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We have assurance because we have the Bible. We have 66 books that tell us that we have the assurance of God. Elizabeth didn't have the 66 books like we do, but she still had assurance in her God. We have the assurance in the Bible that we read, believe, and rest upon. That is our assurance. We can have that same faith as Elizabeth does. We can have that same faith that Jesus is the Son of God. When we get in the realm of what I was in, the realm of unbelief, 
at times and lack of faith, that keeps us in the darkness. When we don't have faith, when we don't believe in God's plan, what God, if we don't think he knows what he's doing, we're in the darkness. But faith makes us able to sing and to praise and give glory to God. In those dark times, in the rough times. And when we have faith, we trust him. It gives us the, the, the ability to confess Jesus' name to everyone who will listen. In those dark times, that's what Elizabeth did. She shouted loudly the praises of her Lord, her God. We see Elizabeth's great faith. But with great faith, there should become fruit. There should be fruit there. So let's look at that fruit of that faith, which leads us to our third point. That fruit is humility. The fruit of faith is humility. People who, if you confess to be a Christian, you should be a humble person. You should be humble. John Calvin says, A proud Christian and a humble Christ cannot mix together. It's an oxymoron. They don't mix. It's like pineapple on a pizza. They don't mix. Right? Am I right? Pineapple pizza, they don't mix. They don't go together. As Christians, we should all be humble. Let me tell you why you should be humble. God sent his son as a baby to come to this earth to suffer, to die for us sinners. We are all undeserving. We don't deserve his grace, his mercy, his love, his kindness. We don't deserve to be saved from death, from eternal separation from him. We don't deserve that. But he did those things. He died. He rose on the third day. That should humble you. That should humble all of us. For those of you who are Christians, we have been saved. That's a miracle. Think about how you were before. And God completely transformed you into something new. Salvation is a miracle. We were once crazy, bad people. God chose me and you. He changes your hearts from a wicked and utterly depraved person. Person who hated God. You may not think you did, but you did. You hated God. And willingly rebelled against him over and over and over again. How and why is it even possible? Why would God do that? Because he loved us. Again, that should humble you. That should humble me. Those times when you're going to be arrogant and prideful, think about those things that God has done. 
True faith is shown by humility. Faith and humility go together. They are linked together. They go hand in hand. They are like peanut butter and jelly. They're inseparable. They are bonded together. You can't have one without the other. Elizabeth's humility is beautiful and such a great example to all of us. We see in that culture, Elizabeth was the older woman. Mary was the younger woman. Mary should, in that culture, be submitting to the older woman. But here it's the opposite. Elizabeth was showing the role of Mary should have more respect than her. It was a beautiful example of humility. Elizabeth was giving birth to the forerunner of Christ. She had every right to say something about it to Mary. But Elizabeth was not jealous at all. Not at all. Not one ounce of jealousy was there. Again, she could have said, I'm pregnant with the forerunner of Christ as soon as she saw Mary. But she didn't do that. But she said, blessed are you among women. Translated is, all the blessed of her to be chosen to be the mother of my Lord. Elizabeth doesn't envy Mary at all. Elizabeth was satisfied with what God had given her. She was satisfied with that. Humility is doing what the Lord wants. Not what you want, but what the Lord wants. When we don't have humility, guess what happens? We want what we want. That selfishness comes in. We want what we want. When we have humility, we want what the Lord wants. Having faith, then that leads to humility and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth felt like she was there to hear Gabriel speaking to Mary. It was that powerful to her. When Elizabeth said, the mother of my Lord. Do you know how encouraging and comforting that must have been to Mary? That she says, the mother of my Lord is in your womb. That was a beautiful affirmation and assurance to Mary. That was an encouragement to her. I told you, Elizabeth was going to be an encouragement to Mary. They encouraged one another. That's how we as Christians should be to one another. Like Elizabeth and Mary, be encouragement to one another. I don't know if you know this or not, but humility is contagious. If you are humble, someone's going to see you being humble, then they're going to be humble. Then it's going to be on and on. That's how we should all be. But a lot of times it's the opposite. It's about me, so I'm going to be about me. They wronged me, so I'm going to wrong them back. Humility is contagious. Not only is humility contagious, but humility builds and produces blessings. If you are humble, you're going to produce blessings to people around you. 
Humility is a sign of grace. God's grace given to us is an ability for us to be humble, to show humility. Elizabeth voluntarily put herself in the background. She wasn't out front. She voluntarily put herself in the background. She acknowledged Mary is the one who is to be honored more. She is not self-centered at all. That's not in Elizabeth's character. It is not in there at all. She is not self-centered. She centers on Mary. But this is important. Again, she doesn't worship Mary. That's the key I want you to see here. She isn't worshiping Mary here. Mary isn't to be worshipped at all. The baby inside of Mary is who we should be worshiping. And that's what Elizabeth did. She knew Elizabeth or Mary was important, but her focus was on Jesus. Her focus was centered on Jesus. Elizabeth's character doesn't fit today in our world. And to be honest, sometimes it doesn't even fit in the church. There are many confessing Christians that say, I have faith, I am a Christian, but have no humility at all. I have faith, but no humility. Remember, that that can't work. It can't go together. You can't have faith and no humility. You have to have both. What a lot of people have is high thoughts of self and low thoughts of others and God. When it should be the other way, I'll have high thoughts of God and others and low thoughts of self. That's where we should be. But a lot of times that's not the case. Augustine says that there are three graces that every church needs. Those are humility, humility, and humility. That's what we need in the church. Humility, humility, humility. Humility without faith is dead. Faith without humility is a self-centered thing. It's all about you. But faith with humility is sweet. It smells like Jesus. When you have faith and humility together. Our example, Jesus, was humble. So we should be humble. He was meek and lowly. He always did what his father asked him to do. That's what we should do. Elizabeth's humility. Look at verse 43 again. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Why is this granted to me? It's not only said once, but twice. Why is she coming to me? It's showing her humility. She was grateful to be in the presence of Jesus. She was grateful to be there. But why are you coming to me? We see Elizabeth's humility. Then when her son John is born, like mother, like son, John the Baptist was just as humble. In the story of when John the Baptist was baptizing people, Jesus comes and wants to be baptized. And John says in Matthew 3, 14, I need to be baptized by you. Look at this. This is key. And look at this. And do you come to me? 
The same thing his mom says, you come to me. The humility there that John says, you come to me wanting to be baptized. You need, I need, you need to baptize me. Then we see one of my favorite verses from John. It's John the Baptist. He says, he must increase, I must decrease. The ultimate act of humility. He must increase, and I must decrease. That's what we should all do. He increased more in our life, and we decrease more. This is faith. This is humility. We have seen Elizabeth is a woman of strong faith. We see Elizabeth was a woman filled with the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, that changed everything. Elizabeth was a humble woman. She put others before herself. She had a high thought of who God is. What a great example to us is Elizabeth. As I asked the band to come up, today is Christmas. Why do we celebrate Christmas? On Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. But why did Jesus need to come? Why did this little baby need to be born? It goes all the way back to Genesis 3. The world was perfect. Everything was good. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And they sinned and they fell. In that same chapter, we have the curse of the serpent. And in that curse, after that curse comes a promise. Promise is, let's go to Genesis 3, 14 and 15. The Lord God said to the servant, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. And here it is. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. We have a curse, and now there's a promise. The promise is that he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. That promise started with the birth of the baby, Jesus. Jesus is the one who's going to crush the head of Satan on the cross. He crushes the head of Satan. He defeats death. He defeats it by crushing the head of the serpent. And just bruising his heel by dying on the cross. And on the cross, he dies. And on the third day, he raises again. And he is coming back. He came as a baby in a manger, like a servant. But he's coming back as a king. That's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus today, that he is going to grow the 33 years and ultimately down the cross And one day he's coming back. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, as we come here today, celebrate on this Christmas morning the birth of your son.